This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL hockey pod, PuckCast, with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's AJ SCHOLZ24. We're a wee bit away from the Christmas break, and it's a good time to pick out some surprise teams uh, as we're not quite to the halfway point of the season, but next week there's no games around this time. Uh, we'll get to that topic in a sec. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at four clubs, AJ, and their current trajectories that they don't line up with what we projected at the beginning of the season, so I'll call these the four surprise clubs that I've picked out. On the plus side, we have Buffalo Sabres and the Calgary Flames. And on the negative side, we have the St. Louis Blues and the Florida Panthers uh, on the wrong end of the equation. So uh, I'm kind of surprised at Buffalo, uh, but they had some of the pieces at the top end. They're filling in with some good depth and getting good goaltending in Calgary. It's just been an offensive show there. And uh, in St. Louis, the big names offensively have not been delivering. And Florida, they're relying too heavily on the top end guys there. And there's not much underneath. So that's why they're not measuring up. Those are my observations in a big, quick thumbnail. I wonder what your thoughts are on these teams and any other teams that you might add to this list. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would include Buffalo in this list. It's one of those like you're surprised, but you're not surprised because they've got all these pieces, but they just haven't really been able to put it together yet. So, um, but definitely uh, trending upward. Calgary is probably the big surprise for me. And, you know, you talked about offensive firepower. That's basically without James Neal. He's been a disaster of a signing for them at this point. Um, And then, yeah, on the flip side, St. Louis uh, and Florida expected better out of them. I don't think either of us were picking them as our our Stanley Cup champions, but but certainly better than than what they've been showing. The one other team I would throw in there, uh, again, surprise, not surprise, is the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Um, just post Tavares, I think everybody thought they'd be, you know, further out um, and not really in contention for a playoff spot. They're sitting in third right now um, with a game in hand. 
there. So yeah, just a couple, couple fun surprises. You know, that's, that's, that's why we play the game, right? Well, you know what? I, I'm looking at the Islanders now that you mention it, and they're second in the in the Eastern Conference in goals against average. So they've really tightened things up defensively. Uh, I, I think where they're, they've been lacking a little bit is on the offensive side. Of course, they're without John Tavares, who jumped ship there and uh, f- forced the other centers to move up a notch. And uh, I guess Barzal's had a bit of a tough time scoring, but he's still piling up assists. And Brock Nelson is is well situated as the number two guy, so they have some good pieces in place there too. But I was surprised that their goaltending has been as strong as it has been, and that's been really why the Islanders are uh, in contention at this late stage uh, this late stage of the season. In any case, we did tease the fact that next week we're going to be shutting down over this date because it'll be Christmas Day, and there are no games scheduled from the 24th to 26th, so we don't yet know when our next podcast will be. We'll certainly keep you posted and tweet that out, but we certainly think we'll be back uh, the following week on a Thursday because we don't want to do the New Year's Day uh, thing, getting up early to (laughs) do this pod quite simply. That's the reason, so we'll push it back to Thursday of that week. So we'll keep our you, our loyal listeners and fans, updated with all these schedule changes accordingly yeah absolutely uh you know uh in in my case i'll actually be uh be working on new year's eve so even more reason not wanting to to get up the next morning and uh you know start uh, start talking hockey so uh but before we kick off the rest of the show we'll remind our listeners that throughout the week uh if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general uh you can tweet at us we'll try and answer those questions for you uh as paul mentioned you can follow me at aj shoals 24 and you can follow paul the Statsman at Statsman 22 now before we swing into our look at the 31 teams i want to really emphasize what aj just said we answer a lot of questions it's seems like a lot of people take us take this to heart but we want more uh people to follow us and feel free to question us because we do get back to everybody with our best opinions and usually we both chime in and sometimes we disagree even so that's kind of interesting there's lots of debate <laughs> debate there but I, what i also want to ask our listeners if there's anything that, that they want us to do to tweak the show to uh, suit uh, other needs i'm all years and i'm sure you are too aj it might be a good a chance for us to uh, rejig this thing a little bit to uh, to get uh, people more answers to more questions. So I just want to throw that out there to our listeners. In any case, uh, let's begin our look at the 31 teams. The Anaheim Club, you got a good look at them as they upset upset the Penguins at home last night. But I don't know if you can call it an upset when a team's won 9 out of 10 and 6 straight on the road. Uh, in terms of individual players, Brandon Montour is on a hot scoring binge from the blue line. 7 points in his last 5 games and is now the top defenseman point producer here with 19 points in 34 games played before last night's contest. The Ducks uh, claimed Chad Johnson to be the backup goalie behind John Gibson and uh, that means that Ryan Miller's injury is probably a little bit more serious than was feared initially, so we'll keep an eye on that situation. But Gibson has been chugging along, and before last night, uh, only allowing 16 goals against in eight games played. Uh, they want to lighten his load, though. He's been carrying an awful lot of the, the goaltending assignments there. Yeah, I think it's a great pickup for for them uh, in between the nets, and and you know there's a long term implication on that too. Now, granted, Chad Johnson's going to be um, back on the market at the end of the season as a as a free agent here, but I do think uh, it's kind of uh, a test the water situations for both sides because really we've got to be getting close to Ryan Miller uh, being done here in in terms of his career, which has been really an outstanding career. You know, you go back to his days in Buffalo. Um, so th- there's 
there's definitely a, a good reason uh, outside of just needing a replacement to give Chad Johnson a look and see uh, if he could be a viable backup for them for, for a couple more years. He's only 32 compared to Ryan Miller, who's uh, 38. But obviously, John Gibson, 25, he's going to be the starter you know, the rest of the way. Exactly. Uh, in Arizona, this team went 1-3 and three last week, dipping below the 500 mark, if you want to call it that still. We've had some debate offline about whether we call a 14-14-2 record a 500 mark, for instance, but uh, I will for, for my own purposes. In any case, they're 14-16-12 as we talk this morning. Nick Cousins uh, is coming out of an early season funk and has collected five points in his last 10 games. That's not a lot, but now he's on the top line here, and that pace could rise if he continues in this circumstance. Similarly, I look at a guy like veteran Richard Panic's scoring pace, and it's also picked up as a left wing two uh, over here. He's a veteran who may shed the label of underperforming so far as well. So opportunities abound here on the, on the port side, and those two guys should pick it up, I think. Uh, their opportunities risen as one Alex Galchenyuk struggles to stay healthy and find his groove in the desert. He only has 11 points in 22 games. I'm sure that the Coyotes were expecting much more than that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they made the made the decision to, to, to bring him in and it really just hasn't uh, hasn't panned out quite as well as they were expecting. You know, another guy who really hasn't been panning out this year is Clayton Keller. Uh, you look, he's currently on a seven game goal streak. Yes, he's got five assists over that stretch, but this is a 23 a guy who scored 23 goals really as a rookie last season, you would have expected maybe that could creep up uh, into the 30 mark. Uh, I know, you know, if you go on to his player page on Rotowire, that's where we projected him uh, this offseason was to hit that 30 point mark or 30 goal mark rather. Yeah. Uh, and it really seems like that might not happen this year. Just, you know, sl slumping pretty significantly right now, but still getting plenty of power play time. So hopefully he can find the back of the net soon. When you look at an injury list like the Boston Bruins have, I might have included them as a surprise in our, our list, but we did expect this team to be a great club, and they're showing their fortitude right now, AJ. Despite all these injuries, some lesser lights are coming to the forefront. They uh, stunned the hockey world, I, I think, last night. When you look at the way they dispatched the Montreal Canadiens in a road game, they shut them out 4 nothing. And it's guys like Jakob Forsbacka Carlson, who's shown some offensive flair with three points in five, last five games before last night's evening. But the uh, lack of offense here was a team-wide issue for a while, and they seem to have straightened that out a little bit now. So I'm looking for continued success for the Boston Bruins. The, the key here is they're keeping a lid on, on the goals against, and uh, so I like that aspect uh, of this club right now. I'll give you a little, uh, you know, round of applause for getting that one uh, pronounced out there. Here <laughs> at uh, Roto HQ, we usually just say JFK and just call it a day. But um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you mentioned how how well they've been doing, uh, and it looks like they're going to get Patrice Bergeron back sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, should start uh, practicing soon and be able to start taking contact and could actually play before uh, the Christmas uh, break here. So uh, a team that really has kind of uh, been able to stem the tide without him in there. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, JFK, guys like Colby Cave even a little bit. Uh, David Krejci have kind of stepped up when needed uh, and really filled in for Bergeron. But uh, this team's going to get 
significantly better as soon as they get him back. Yeah, you know, I wonder if other play-by-play announcers uh, call this guy's name. If is it Forsbacca for Carlson or JFK? That's good. I like the moniker that you guys hung on him. Uh, maybe it'll catch <laughs> on. In Buffalo, the Sabres are 29-5. and Remarkable record. 3-0-1 last week. We spoke of Kyluk Pozo floundering on the bottom six. But note that he's now been moved up to the second right wing spot. He's still pointless in nine games over there. Jason Pommeville has moved down to the third line. He's also pointless in his last 10 games, despite the team's success here. The top line is really carrying this squad, as shown by Reinhardt. He has six, 16 points in his last 10 games. On the blue line, Rasmus Dahlin is starting to pile up points, too. He picked up five in his last two games for for those of you who have stored him and waiting for the offense to arrive, it looks like it's here, folks, and you got to get in the lineup right away. Yeah, the the blue line is still a question mark for me. Uh, you know, they are starting to get a little bit healthy. They got Matt Hunwick back. They're still missing Jake McCabe, Casey Nelson, Nathan uh, Nathan Boulier is out, and one of their call ups, Lawrence Pilliot, is injured as well. So really, another team with a very banged up blue line uh, that's still managing to win games and a lot of that as you said goes to the forward complement i think this top line probably doesn't get quite enough recognition as being one of the best in the league right now jeff skinner jack eichel and sam reinhardt has really filled in well there uh, and i think should be talked about more as one of the top scoring lines in the nhl right now well we'll have something to say about one of those guys later in the show i'll tease that uh, for our one of our final topics aj but good point by you in uh, calgary the other great, great team we highlighted off the top they were three and zero last week it's another top line that's really motoring here elias lindholm really fit in on the right side he's got six multi-point games in his last nine outings aj and um, uh, another forward back off the ir is mikhail backland he's uh, playing the second center spot and james neal's been moved up to the second right wing spot to try and get him going but you've you've said it before the, they're having a tough time getting this guy going and boy they'd be even stronger if he did on the left side here uh, the guy that's driving the unit is uh, matthew kachuk and he's produced seven points in the past week so good for him to keep that going he's up around 40 points already a great season going for uh, one uh, one player that i expect will be a star in this league for years to come on the blue line tj brody starting to chip out in offense now that he's paired with mark giordano that's not an accident these guys have played together for years before and uh, brody's starting to find his comfort level if you're looking for a d-man you could do a heck of a lot worse than picking up him yeah james neal you know really is uh, just uh, puzzling at this point 20 games without a goal his last goal came november 1st he has just three assists over that stretch uh and really has just struggled uh tremendously this is a guy that has never missed the 20 goal mark in his career has hit 40 uh one year with pittsburgh hit 31 with nashville uh, most recently in 2015-16 but right now if you look at his pace uh he may not hit 10 uh, which is you know bizarre to think of and you know you think of a guy like neil in this case that maybe a trade move you know somebody else thinks hey if we get him in with us we can you know do something with them and you know they they on the flip side the flames can bolster other spots but he's carrying a 5.75 million dollar cap hit for the next uh this year and the four after uh and that's going to be hard for any team to pick up so uh I think if they move in prior to the deadline, 
you have to look at a situation where I think the Flames are going to have to retain a little bit of salary on this. But I do think at this point, if they can get somebody to take him, uh, I think that's that'll be good for the Flames. I think it'll be good for Neil to get somewhere else that clearly hasn't worked in Calgary. Uh, and so maybe that's something that we keep an eye on heading into you know the two months before the trade deadline here. Absolutely. In Carolina, they're one, one, and one last week. There were a lot of teams that just went one, one, and one. I looked at uh, when I looked at the slate. Jordan Martinook is a surprise addition to the first line at left wing. His minutes are up, but he's moved, been moved in more involved offensively now that he's in the top six role so keep an eye on his production could be a good dfs value there as well moving up on the second left wing is uh, warren fogel another guy who sla- snapped a long scoreless slide last week these moves were necessitated to michael Ferland's upper body injury he's missed eight out of the last nine games so far yeah, and it it does appear like they're going to get some guys back, including Furlan. Uh, you know, he took uh, rushes on on their second line alongside Jordan Stahl, who's been on IR with a concussion. Uh, so both these guys seem to be headed uh, in the right direction here and could play sooner rather than later, which would definitely help uh, a team that hasn't been playing too bad. To be perfectly honest with you, um, you know, they're they're in the mix uh, for you know in the the division here. They're they're not right at the top. They're not right at the bottom, kind of right in the middle there alongside the Rangers, the Penguins, and the Islanders. So definitely don't count them out. And now that they're going to get some uh, offensive talent back here in the coming days, uh, they're only going to get stronger. In Chicago, this is a team that's not going to get stronger anytime soon. They're 0-2-1 last week, extending a, a winless streak that has got them 10 games under the, the 500 mark at 9 19 and 6 the Hawks season has gone into the dumpster as far as I'm concerned and you can add the fact that Corey Crawford is once again dealing with concussion issues that he suffered on the weekend and they plagued him last season too the DFS tip that comes to mind when I look at this situation is choose the opposing goalie whenever the Hawks are on your slate because there's a likelihood that the Hawks will not pull off the victory big dollar contracts to 30 plus players for past glories will haunt this team for years at least they can point to Dylan Strom scoring four points, four goals in, in uh, the last eight games. Maybe they found something here, just as we thought they would when they made the deal for the big center. I think this is a team that could be subject to a lot of trade rumors and a lot of guys flying out the door here. Um, a couple names as, as possibility. I, I think Marcus Kruger could uh, fetch some value. He's going to be a UFA next year anyway. His cap hits just under $3 million right now. Uh, you also have to look at maybe some depth blue line options here uh, with Eric Gustafson or Brandon Manning. Again, these aren't guys that are going to blow you away, um, but they could garner a little bit of uh, attraction there for other clubs that need a little bit of a boost the problem is i don't think you're going to get anybody to take a seabrook or a keith even though uh, in terms of a rental kind of value those are guys that could definitely help you uh, win a cup this year their cap hits are just too big for too long i mean you look at keith he's 35 he's got four more years under contract after this season uh and so yeah it makes it very difficult to figure out uh, what they could do in terms of dumping some of these contracts. Again, uh, you know, as I said before, this might be another situation where you do have to hold on to some salary uh, in order to to make these moves. And in Colorado, this team is now 18-9-6 and six on the season. We, we know all about the big line. We've talked about that le- them at length, but strength down the middle has really helped this club offensively. Carl Soderberg and JT Comfer 
are anchoring units that are also providing steady scoring in the secondary manner, uh, if you will, as Van Andraghetto is settling in as the right wing on the second line. And I, I like this guy's shots on goal rate, and his power play time has spiked, so could be a nice sneaky DV DFS play there, too. I can't explain why Nikita Zadorov isn't thriving here on the blue line, though, AJ. This guy was a highly rated junior and a very skilled offensive-minded D-man. And on a team like this, I don't understand why he's not thriving. He's now on the third defensive pairing here and hasn't joined the scoring parade for the past seven games. Uh, I'm at a loss to explain it. Well, I think, you know, the first thing I would look at with it is is the shots on goal. You you know, you mentioned that, that rate. You like to see it up there. Uh, his last six games in all but uh, one of those had one or fewer shots on goal. In fact, in his most recent outing against the Islanders, didn't put a single shot on goal. Uh, his hit numbers are, are decent if, if you're in a format that values that, but he isn't getting any power play time. His ice time has dropped uh, to about 15 and a half minutes the last few games. So really just not, uh, not getting a lot of opportunities. And so it has to be something that they're seeing, not, you know, on, on in other aspects of the game that they don't feel comfortable putting him out there more uh, and, and letting him play a more offensive style. I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, how he looked in, in juniors. He had 20 points last year. A decent campaign has just five so far uh, this season. In Columbus, this team is 17-12-3. Uh, they they keep still keeping a lid on the goals against. They had a nice shutout win against Las Vegas last night. I was surprised to note that Bobrovsky earned his first shutout of the year. You don't expect it to take this long for him. But they've struggled to score only eight goals in the last five games, counting last night into the mix. For example, uh, Bruce Jenner as the second center and Josh Anderson uh, have each scored only two points in the last eight games that's not good for second liners you want more production than that it's a sign of a forward group that doesn't look as imposing as it did entering this season i've been a big fan of felino and he was the only one that scored last night and he's uh, upped his game but some so many others have gone in the wrong in the other direction on the blue line i also like the top two d pair, pairs here but david savard and zach Wierenski have both taken a step backward if you're looking at their offensive totals too so i'm surprised at the fact a downturn in the offense here from top to bottom is what I'm saying absolutely and I think part of that has to be uh hung on Artemi Panarin he's got just two goals in his last seven games he's also dealing with a lower body injury that kept him out of that clash with Vegas uh his assist numbers are there but that's not that's not why you bring him in you look at his numbers first season in Chicago 30 goals second season 31 last year with Columbus 27 he does have nine on the year, so certainly should be able to reach uh, that that twenty point thirty or twenty goal thirty goal threshold this season. But uh, he's going to have to pick it up sooner rather than later. And they can't keep counting on Bobrovsky to have to pitch a shutout in order to get a win because the offense can only score one goal. In Dallas, the Stars went 0-3 last week, so their record is looking a little more ordinary today than it was a week ago. Marty Hansel, though, on the plus side, is being worked back into the top six, and despite a regular shift and power play time, he's only picked up one goal in four games to date. I say don't overrate him offensively, as he's more of a defense first pivot. I'm surprised he's getting second line minutes, but I guess more of that surprise is reflected on the fact that Jason Spezza isn't scoring more than five goals so far this year, and so that's why they had to 
drop him down into the three hole. He's uh, at least improved his shots on goal rate lately, though, so you think this situation could be temporary. Uh, I think a move back to the top six will translate into more productivity for him. Absolutely. But until that happens, uh, it looks like they're going to give Denis Gurianov uh, a look here. Now, his AHL numbers are solid 28 points in 23 games uh, so far this season. Product of the KHL uh, selected by the team in the uh, 12th overall in the 2015 NHL draft. And so they're going to give him a look. Uh, and see what he can bring now so far it's worked out well two points in the first three games whether he can continue that remains to be seen but they definitely need to get somebody on that wing spot with Sagan and Ben that can produce uh, with some sense of consistency other than Alexander Radulov because you need more than just one scoring line you don't want to put all three of those guys on the same line every night and then have to put everybody else out there who can't score in Detroit, the Red Wings are trying to stay in the playoff hunt, but a growing injury list is their worst enemy right now. On the blue line, you can add Danny DeKaiser and Mike Green, two veteran blue liners to the DL. And that means that uh, Jimmy, ha- Jimmy Howard, for me, deserves the Purple Heart for his great work in the face of a barrage of shots against. His uh, goals against average and save percentage are pretty nice considering all the work that he's seeing. Up front, uh, I also think it's worth noting that Gustav Nyquist is on a tear at left, left wing on the top line, 14 points in his last 11 games and he's threatening career best points uh, there's a couple of youngsters here that are also on the uptick so i don't think the future is as very bleak and i think it come could come a little bit faster than than uh, some of the naysayers are saying here so uh, i do want to talk real quick about the rotowire website one feature we have is the ask an expert feature you can submit questions that way uh, if you want a different opinion than Paul or I and your subscriber to Rotowire, but sometimes you do still get me answering those questions. And one of those was rating a number of players, uh, and one of those players was Dylan Larkin. And what I love about Larkin's spot here is the he's locked in pretty much as this top line center. He's going to be kind of the focal point of this team long term. You look at his recent uh, outings has is on a seven game point streak in which he's got four goals and six assists over that stretch. Now, only one of those assists came on the power play, so you'd like to see a little more production with the man advantage. But otherwise, uh, this is a guy that is locked into his position. You don't have to worry, I think, about him getting bumped off that top line. He's going to anchor it, and he's going to anchor it for years to come. Uh, He's just 22 years old, still really getting to his best hockey here uh, into the future. Tell me the truth. Did Mike put you up to that disclaimer talking about the Red Wings? <laughs> Holy cow. Gun to your head or what, Mr. G? In Edmonton, the Oilers, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has taken some, some of the offensive load on with seven points in his last seven games. That's coincided with Jujar Kyra moving on to his left wing. They hope to I- include, uh, uh, ignite rather, uh, Puliyarvi at right wing on the second line as he's been in a prolonged slump as well. This is a youngster who they've expected much from, but he hasn't delivered. Another one of the high draft picks here that's taken a little bit longer than you'd like to get going in Edmonton. They suffered a big loss on the blue line as Clefbaum is out for six to eight weeks with a broken finger. And that's afforded uh, uh, an interesting call-up when you look at Jason Garrison. He's a couple of years removed from being one of the more feared guys in terms of the point shot that he possesses. He's a candidate for high-leverage offensive minutes now, and I'm going to keep an eye on him in this offensive mix. They might throw him out on the power play and see what that might look like. I think it could be fun. 
Yeah, if they put him on that power play, then then I can see you know utilizing him in in multiple formats. Uh, until that happens, though, I'm still a little gun gun shy on him. He's obviously been a healthy scratch uh, for you know a good number of games this season for a reason. Now, if you're looking for somebody else who seems to have locked in his spot on that blue line with all those injuries, uh, look no further than Caleb Jones, a 21 year old, uh, two goals, ten assists in 21 games down with the Bakersfield Condors so far this season. No points yet in his first two NHL games, but probably just adjusting to the speed and pace of the play. This guy was a great fourth-round pickup, I think, by the Edmonton Oilers in 2015. I think is really going to add some offensive firepower to a blue line. He's not going to replace Clefbaum. Obviously, that's too big of a task for any one guy, but he certainly uh, can help serve as a stopgap. In Florida, we've highlighted some forwards here who are logging unusually high minutes. When you look around the league, there's not many guys that are over 20, the 20-minute 20 mark per game. You can add Mike Hoffman to the list here in his first season in, in the Sunshine State. He's responded with eight points in his last seven games and is on a career-best points-per-game pace uh, for the year to date. Henrik Borgstrom is a recent uh, call-up. They debuted him at, as the second-line center on Saturday. This guy bears watching while centering a prol- the prolific Evgeny Dadanov, who's also threatening that point per game pace at right wing. Frank Vitrano has shown flashes, flashes on scoring streak ability in the past. He rounds out that second unit. The goalies, though, are the problem here as both Luongo and, to a lesser extent, James Reimer, when he gets in there, they're allowing too many goals against in their last several games, and that's the bugaboo for this club. We talked with Boston about being able to ride through injuries, uh, and as well as they, as they have done it, Florida has not. I mean, you've got Bukestad's been banged up. Trocek uh, suffered that unfortunate injury. He's been out. Same with Derek McKenzie. You're really stretching their center depth right now without those three guys. And let's not forget, Jamie McGinn hasn't played at all this year. Um, you know, he's dealing with a long-term back injury. Yeah, he's not like your breakout all-star performer, but he did get 29 points for them last season. He's hit the 30-point mark on three uh, different occasions in his career. So this guy is definitely would have been a factor uh, in the offensive game. So you, really, that's why you're seeing such high minutes by that top line is because they're missing four guys who would play every night and contribute on a consistent basis. In Los Angeles, this is another team that's like Chicago. They are living off past glories, I think, a little bit. They're 0-2-2 in their last four games. This club has been decimated by injuries. You can add veteran D-men Fanuf and Alec Martinez to that mix. Paul Ledoux and, Al- and Fandenberg, they're going to be the two guys who replace them, but there's little DFS value on this blue line behind Drew Doughty. And as far as Doughty, for me, he's another fade right now. He's on the on pace for career lows, both in points and plus-minus. A tough year. I wonder if he's re- reviewing the fact in his mind that he committed to this club long-term. He must love the sun out there. That's all I can say. On the <laughs> second line, right wing, we pointed out Mike Luff, Mike Luff was going to get a look here. He's been impressive so far with three goals and a nice shots-on-goal rate over his last five games. So it might be worth a look in, if you're looking around at your squad cheaply in DFS play. Adrian Kempe's looked more engaged in recent games, too getting more power play time another sneaky good value because if there's one thing that la has going for them they can put some pretty good guys out there when they have the man advantage well i think you know if you told jeff carter at the start of the season that he'd be playing uh centering brandon leipzig and matt luff uh he may have also considered uh retirement (laughs) as a possible option but to your point luff has performed well uh leipzig not so much 
had, uh, is currently, you know, on a, a five game goalless streak two assists over that stretch. And so as we mentioned, injuries, you know, are key for a lot of teams. And, and this is one team again, that's not really weathering the storm. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk is out. Kyle Clifford, Trevor Lewis, they make the trade to bring in Carl Hagelin. He gets hurt right away. Uh, so the forward complement is stretched just as thin as the blue line right now. In Minnesota, they went 2-1 and one last week. We thought that Miko Koivu a week ago, it looked like he'd be out for two or three weeks, but he could be uh, back in the lineup tonight, according to Coach Bruce Boudreaux in his uh, morning skate yesterday. That news will relate directly to Charlie Coyle, who collected three points in his place on that scoring line at the center position. So keep an eye out for that development, AJ. Uh, he may also move to the wing, Coyle might, and that could return Jeff Greenway to the third line minutes again. So some roster shuffling in the offing here in Minnesota. On their blue yeah. line, on their oh, blue line, now on their blue line, Matt Dumba injured his shoulder in a scrap on Saturday and will be replaced by Greg Patterin. Jonas Brodeen may pick up more power play minutes while Dumba is out. So there's movement all over the place here, and it behooves us to get a roster update from AJ. Yeah, sorry to try and cut you off no there, worries. Paul, but I'm super excited about one of the players that they're uh, that they've called up uh, with this Koivu injury. Luke Kunin uh, it did get a taste of the NHL last year in 19 games, uh, four points uh, this season in the minors so far. Eight goals, seven assists in 21 games. Uh, I think he could definitely be a factor. You know, you look at his price over on FanDuel tonight, third line role, uh, going to cost you the bare minimum $3,000. Uh, not a bad look, in my opinion. Uh, that's not a tip of the cap. I didn't fit him into my lineup tonight, but it's something to maybe consider if I put together another one or shuffle things around. And right now, based on those lines, it looks like he could play with Miko Koivu and Jason Zucker. That's a pretty good assignment for this youngster and uh, could bode well for his production tonight. In Montreal, rookie Esperi Kokanyemi has snapped out of a long scoring funk with po- five points in his last six games. He's working with Paul Byron and Arturi Lekkonen on a third line that looked really good in the last couple of weeks, particularly. So, But over even the last two weeks, <coughs> pretty good news for uh, extending the depth of this roster. That more than makes up for the fact that Tatar has been blanked on the top line last week. And I wonder if they switch things up if... if Tatar's scoring doubt continues. Uh, it's only a short one so far, but they certainly do have options down below him. I would consider selling on him right now. In fact, uh, the the this guy's never been more than a 20, 25 goal shooter, and he's playing way uh, scoring way above that rate to start the season. I don't see it continuing. I'd con- so I'd consider a sale on him. Shea Weber on the blue line though is a guy that looks rock solid and must be in in your for- all formats right now. He's got seven points and almost four shots on goal per game in his brief retur- since he briefly returned to the club and uh, is looking like his former self as a top demon in this league. And it's also worth noting that uh, they called up Victor Mete, I saw, so I could see him, the youngster, partnering up with Weber in a pretty effective uh, defensive tandem there. I love that call. I really hope uh, that the coaching staff there is maybe listening to the podcast and will take your advice on that one. I think those two pair up really well. Uh, What they should have done last year was listen to me when they signed Antti Niemi, who once again is struggling for them. Now, I'm not saying this to give, you know, throw shade at Niemi, although he hasn't won since November 10th. He hasn't given up less than three goals in any games this season. It's all been three or more. He's got a couple of fours in there, a six and a seven goal allowed game. But 
the bigger impact here is how much workload Carey Price is going to have to shoulder uh, with Niemi underperforming for them. Now, the captain, Shea Weber, tried to take some of the blame for that recent outing and blamed it on, on the defense, you know, took uh, some responsibility there, and that's great to see. But you can't have Carey Price playing all these games in a row. I think he's going to need uh, some time off. They do have a back-to-back coming up, so that could be an opportunity uh, to get some rest. But including a relief appearance for Niemi, uh, Carey Price has played in 11 straight games, and that's not what you want to see if you want to keep this guy fresh for the postseason. And the Nashville Predators, they went 3-0. and This team continues to go ticking along here at a very high clip. Not too many clubs could continue to thrive with three key players. Out. We've talked about those guys, and there's been no change in their status as far as I know. It's been a total team effort here with widespread offensive contributions lately. Cal Touris returned to the active roster, and that certainly helped solidify the top six forwards a little bit. But I want to highlight Craig Smith's really recent offensive spurt. Five points in the last seven games before last night is typical of how the next man steps up here. You can insert different names at different times, but it's always somebody picking up the slack. And in the nets behind them, it doesn't hurt that Pecorini's goals against now is under two per game, and that uh, won't hurt the cause either. Yeah, this club is really... uh, They do have plenty of forward talent uh, but this club is really built from the back out solid goaltending a decor that's almost unrivaled uh, in the NHL and then from there they still find solid forwards who who can play now they do have a couple of guys who've been struggling lately on that top line Kevin Fiala is goalless in uh, his last six Uh, you've got Ryan Hartman is struggling as well and they really just haven't been able to pick up the slack it's somewhat good news that Victor Arvidsson and P.K. Subban have been showing up at practice um, and taking part there but also concerning that there hasn't been an additional update on their timeline despite the fact that they're practicing so it seems like they could probably both still be out uh, for a little bit here I mean even when they throw up a a bit of a a stinker to start last night's game for instance they come back and they they extend the game to overtime so you can't uh, you can't uh, slight them too much for the way they've been playing lately for sure in new jersey they were one one and one last week Corey schneider who's had a very poor start to his season is now right out of action with an abdominal strain that leaves keith kincaid to carry the load with mackenzie blackwood up from the minors in reserve up front they have also missed Taylor Hall for the last two games with a lower body injury but it's not considered serious and he should be back in the lineup soon maybe even tonight so keep an eye out for him against the Maple Leafs he likes to put on a show when he faces the blue and white Marcus Johansson is another guy who saw an increased workload in in uh, Hall's absence and and uh, it may have turned this guy's season around a little bit he's been a little slow out of the gate with injury problems as well but he collected three assists last week to build on some earlier success in his finest stretch of the season so he's got it going right now and this is another guy who excels on the power play for jersey when he's healthy well for those of you wondering why the call-up was mackenzie blackwood instead of eddie lack apparently lack is dealing with an injury uh you know down in the minors there so that's uh why they had to go a different direction with schneider out uh, Blackwood's numbers this season, uh, six, seven and O with a 2.69 goals against average, uh, in 15 games for the Binghamton, uh, Binghamton devils. Uh, so decent production, decent numbers, not going to wow you or blow you, you know, blow you away, but mostly we're going to see Keith Kincaid anyway. Taylor Hall looks like he'll be back after missing two games. Uh, and so that'll definitely help bolster, uh, this team's offense. 
We spoke about the Islanders off the top a little bit. Uh, in an effort to shake things up for a struggling offense, uh, Jordan Everly and J- Bailey have switched lines, uh, switched lines on the top two scoring units. Neither of them has scored a goal in their last nine games, so they had to do something up there. I mentioned Matthew Barzal's and so enjoyed an offensive burst with six points in his last four games, so that's going to help a little bit. But I'm still puzzled at the fact he's only got four goals so far this season. If you're looking for a value play on this defense, uh, Ryan Pollock may be of interest. He's logging lots of playoff time, has a consistent shots on goal rate that I like, and blocks his share of shots on a nightly basis. In contrast, the more well-known and more well, more often used in DFS play, Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk continue to disappoint. I'm fading those guys maybe for the rest of the season. Well, I don't know if I would fade for the rest of the season, but definitely, <laughs> uh, you know, in some upcoming contests, uh, you know, I would want to see them kind of start get it going before I before I would utilize them. One guy to definitely take a look at uh, is Thomas Grice right now. He's got three wins in a row. You mentioned uh, the top goaltending they're getting from this club. Uh, a bit of a surprise. I think we both kind of went into the season highlighting goaltending as maybe a concern uh, for them. You've got Lerner uh, has struggled lately. He has not won a game, uh, looks like, since October 30th. So that's a pretty poor run of form for him. Now, granted, there were a couple situations where the offense let him down. Uh, He gave up just one goal against Boston and just one goal um, against against Pittsburgh, but wasn't able to get uh, any support there. So, uh, you know, hard to put all the blame on him, but certainly needs to be better than his current 0-4-2 record in his last seven games. And the Rangers, uh, AJ, they got some decent news. I'll call it good news, actually. Matt Zuccarello can collected a pair of assists over his first two games back in the lineup as the top line right wing next to a red hot Mika Zibanejad who now has 10 points in his last eight games. Pavel Buknevich also tallied two points as he returned to the right wing two slot. He was fortunate to be reunited united with Kevin Hayes as the second center. He's now got a string of four multi-point games going right now so you got to think that anybody playing with Hayes has got to be looking to light it up the way he's playing. Uh, with Shattenkirk out for a while on the blue line and Brendan Smith in and out of the lineup with an upper body injury. There's more of a chance for Freddie Clayson to draw into the lineup in higher leverage minutes. I'll keep an eye on him. They they need somebody else to help out there uh, on the back end for sure. Yeah, and so, you know, you also have... as those guys are getting healthy, Zuccarello, Buchnevich, you have Jasper Fast picking up an injury. So it's uh, kind of two steps forward, one step back uh, for that forward compliment there. In terms of DFS options tonight, if you really want uh, to kind of go with what I would say is a significantly contrarian pick and a very uh, cheap option, Alexander Georgiev is going to get the start tonight uh, against the Rangers now or against uh, the Ducks. Now they're at home, which is an intriguing aspect. The Ducks are, we've highlighted, they have had their own struggles, although they did just get the win last night. But again, they're playing the second game of a back to back. 7,600 is what he's going to cost you on FanDuel. Might definitely be worth a look at that price. In Ottawa, Thomas Shabbat is playing a ton of minutes here and has five multi-point outings in his last 10 starts. And he got the game-winning goal last night, I noted, in overtime to continue among the defenseman scoring leaders. But he and Tuchuk and Stone are the only guys providing good news here. Ryan Zingle was injured during Monday's practice and 
possibly could be sidelined, uh, leaving them without one more productive offensive piece. Mikhail Bodker is doing his bit to offset the mounting injuries. He's collected eight points in his last eight games played before last night. Yeah, it's another team that is, you know, right, right there in terms of getting some guys back. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they find themselves, uh, yeah, I guess they're still in the mix. They're six in the division, 34 mm-hmm. points, but that's five back of uh, Montreal, though. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're right there, and it's all going to be on Matthew Shane. Looks like he should return to action on Friday after a six-game stint on the sidelines. They do also have Dylan DeMello on IR, another player that is possible to play uh, on on Friday. So look for those guys and see if they're back in. Uh, They need Duchesne in order to kind of hold on and get back into competitiveness in that division. As a Pittsburgh fan, you must be delighting in the struggles in Philadelphia. It's a complete (laughs) drama show here. The poor recent performance cost uh, Dave Haxall his job on Monday with the Flyers AHL coach Scott Gordon moving up into that vacancy. On the ice, Anthony Stolarz went on the IR. That's another goalie out of the mix here. Two to four weeks with a lower body injury. And we've been waiting to say this next bit of news. As Carter Hart, their highly touted goalie prospect, has been recalled from the minors. I wonder when they're going to plug this guy in and how quickly they're going to do it uh, is the key to DFS play. So it might be an interesting value there if you believe in all the hype. But he's looked rather ordinary. I'll I'll steal your thunder a little bit here by talking about what he's done in Lehigh Valley in the (laughs) AHL. 3.01 goals against, 9.01 save percentage in 17 games, his first 17 games as a pro. Uh, They were hoping for better than that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, expectations were a little bit higher. And I think that's why he spent uh, some time in the minors. Now, uh, hasn't been confirmed, but there is speculation that he could uh, get the start as early as tonight. They are playing Detroit, who we talked about being a little bit down. So wouldn't be the worst matchup uh, for a first game back. Uh, You went with the AHL numbers, so I'll dig even deeper and go to his junior numbers. (laughs) Um, you know, the reason that Flyers fans have been waiting for this guy for so long is you look at his 17, 18 uh, playing in the WHL 31, six and three with a 1.60 goals against average. So um, definitely did, you know, showed it in the minors. That's why they drafted him in the second round uh, back in 2016. But I think uh, we find they're going to see the start of the Carter Hart era tonight. What I find interesting is the same day they announced that they're going to finally call up Carter Hart is also the day they fired Hackstall and replaced him with the AHL head coach. I mean, did these guys share a, a, a car to come from Lehigh Valley to Philadelphia <laughs> since they were both making the move? Um, it's, it's just kind of interesting timing there to see both those things happen on the same day. We'll call it a package deal, AJ. In <laughs> Pittsburgh, you got to be happy that Matt Murray registered a win in his return to action on Saturday and faced a barrage of shots here 41 saves uh, 41 shots rather allowing only three goals in a victory over LA he'll likely split time for the time being with Casey DeSmith who's done a nice job holding the fort and uh, played well enough in his absence to deserve at least a split of the goaltending for the time being uh, elsewhere on the roster Zach Aston Reese looks like a strong value play as a left wing on the second line with Malkin and Kessel that's a great spot for anybody and he earned four points last week so keep an eye on him and his price tag on a nightly basis going forward in that position and speaking of that uh, Rust has had a great week after reuniting with Crosby and Gunsel on that first line he collected four goals and one assist so two good value plays on the wings there for for your favorite club 
Yeah, absolutely. Rusty got another one last night. Uh, so five goals in, in those last four games. Uh, the, the obvious concern here in he is playing on the top line. So you like to see that. But uh, when I saw that Brian Rust had gotten a hat trick against Chicago, I was pretty confident we had lost the game. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch it. But uh, if Brian Rust is getting a hat trick for us, it means the other guys aren't producing at the level that they need to be. And it's actually not a good sign uh, for the Penguins. Now, I want him to score a goal, two goals a night. I'll take the hat trick. But Crosby uh, is on a six-game uh, goal drought right now. Malkin just got off a six-game goal drought with a tally last night in a loss. Uh, and so this team just is under performing and fortunately they've been able to cling uh to a competitive spot here they're tied with the islanders for third technically uh based on you know tiebreakers they're fourth in the division right now but they simply haven't been good enough consistently enough they had a two-goal lead last night and then they lost it uh and so they need to find a way to get uh, play a full 60 minutes of hockey. That's what this team isn't doing. They're playing 40 minutes uh, against Chicago. They probably only played 20 minutes of hockey. If I'm being perfectly honest, uh, getting Justin Schultz back would be huge. He's still out for a while. Sounds like Hornquist could be back sooner rather than later. I think that would be a huge boost uh, to get the, the Swede back. Are you concerned that they're not in the playoff spot? Um, I, I would say no. Uh, they were struggling about this time last year when Malkin decided to simply uh, <clears throat> turn them into a playoff team. And with his goal last night, we could be trending towards another uh, two-month tear by, by the Russian center. Before he goes on holidays for the <clears throat> month of March. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes to get him rested and, and ready for the postseason. Could he be, won't get complaints by me. Could be the difference in the dollar bet. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> in San True. Jose, San Jose, the Sharks were 3-0 last week. Not even an unusually poor start by Marty Jones could derail that. Uh, he reeled off five strong starts before that, so don't pile on him uh, for the moment. He seems to have gotten his game together before that blip on the, in the recent outing. Uh, the offense is in high gear. That's the story here, AJ. Timo Meyer leads that parade with four multi-point games in his last six outings since coming off the IR. Left wing on the first line, Thomas Hurdle is another guy who's got on a bit of a tear with eight points in the same stretch. On the blue line, Eric Carlson has shown his former offensive flair is back in full bloom. Uh, his own point-per-game streak in uh, the last seven games highlighting that fact. There's really not much to criticize over here, at least from, from my viewpoint. Well, I will give one minor criticism of Carlson. Now, you mentioned his uh, point streak that he's got going right now. They're all assists. Uh, hasn't scored a goal in 11 games and only has two uh, two of those seven uh, assists during this 11-game goal strout have come on the power play. So you'd like to see him producing a little bit more uh, with the man advantage, like to see him start hitting the back of the net. But overall, uh, to your point, not much to complain with. We're, we're splitting hairs at this point when we're you know, complaining about Eric Carlson not finding the back of the net. In St. Louis, this team had a bit of an uptick last week. They went 2-1. and one. We haven't spoken too much about their top center, Ryan O'Reilly, but while the, while the rest of the team has struggled, their top center has done his part with a point-per-game scoring streak that, uh, the, that could uh, be sustainable now that other top players are returning from the IR. Uh, for instance, Alex Steen has been back in action for the past five games and has a chance to get rolling now that he's moved into the top-line left-wing role. Similarly, David Perron has had some reps back on the right-wing to roll here too so i think the offense could take 
take off a little bit with some of the veterans getting back into play. I'm interested in uh, Colton Pareko. He's been the subject of much trade speculation and is now playing even more minutes with Pietrangelo on the IR. He scored four goals in his last eight games but only has three assists on the season. Uh, this guy's got a booming shot, and uh, he'll be sought after in a big way, but I, I think the Blues should hold on to him. He's got to be the centerpiece of, of, a, of any kind of a re- retooling that they do here, I, I think. Don't you? I tend to agree, but this obviously isn't a club that's afraid to trade away big names. Uh, they got rid of Shattenkirk uh, at one point, you know, previously. Um, and I do think they're going to be sellers uh, heading into the trade deadline here. I don't know if Pareko's a guy that moves. When they got rid of Shattenkirk, he was going to be a UFA the next year. They've got Pareko tied up for, for another three seasons. So I think they'll hold on to him. couple options. Uh, Joel Edmondson. Uh, going to be an RFA next season. That'll obviously be somewhat intriguing uh, to other clubs. And then also uh, on the forward complement, I think you have to look at Patrick Maroon as a potential uh, trade piece here as well. A team might want to add uh, a veteran like him, you know, late in the season. In Tampa, oh boy, you talk about teams that are rolling along. It's vital to track the top six here, and that's where I note uh, Tyler Johnson as left wing on the second line. He's got 10 points in his last 12 games, headed for his best totals in the last four years. In fact, five years ago, this guy was the leading scorer in the NHL, so people seem to forget about that. I keep him in mind because I find him at DFS cheap DFS play more often than not. The hottest of the hot here, though, right now is Nikita Kucherov. He's now got points in 15 of his last 16 games played. On the blue line, Ryan McDonough is a guy that's turned my head, is now combining his shutdown defensive ability with a career-best points place pace, so he's been an excellent addition to the Tampa roster, as if they needed one. And what do you say about uh, Vasilevsky in goal? He misses 14 games, AJ, comes up against the Leafs' high-octane offense, turns aside 48 of 49 shots. All I got to say about that is wow. Well, it, it definitely highlights a concern. You know, you look at the game after that against Winnipeg, he uh, saw 42 shots uh, on goal, saved 37, uh, you know, got uh, saddled with an overtime loss on that one. But that's a huge concern to me that in his two games back, he's seen over 40 shots, almost 50 from the Maple Leafs. Uh, and so it's it's definitely obviously uh, something that they hopefully need to address here in order to you know ensure that they hold on to their kind of top spot here and, and can make a deep run yeah if that's going to be the, what we call a bit of a, a downward skiing for these guys and they still pull off three points in the two games i i, I think we're <laughs> splitting hairs again here and it was against yep. two of the top teams in the league too we'll add that in and we get to the maple leafs one of those two clubs they were one one and one last week uh, it, Mitch is Mitch Marner going to start shooting more he certainly did on Saturday night and he got two goals snapping a 13 game goalless drought but during that streak he piled in piled on with 16 assists so don't feel too bad if you pick him in DFS play and he doesn't score a goal he might get you a helper to every night anyway Freddie Anderson is starting to look a little bit tired to me AJ four, uh, 15 goals against in his last four appearances and he didn't even complete one of those so I'm a little bit concerned there I'd like to see uh, Garrett Sparks get in the mix here but he too has been a little bit shaky of late so goaltending a question for the Leafs right at the moment uh, up front Austin Matthews is mired, mired in a horrendous two-game pointless drought so I'm very concerned <laughs> about that I think he and Willie Nylander though in all seriousness are getting uh, 
ready to get, get things going into high gear. Nylander's been back for four or five games now, and it wouldn't surprise me that both these guys take off again in a big way. Their DFS value may not be as low as it is, relatively speaking, for much longer, although Austin Matthews is high-priced tonight. I managed to get him in my lineup. I'll say that I'm playing him this evening. Uh, with all the talk about salary caps around this club, Marner and Matthews ma- contracts, etc., I'll throw this out this little tidbit when I was doing my homework on Patty Marlowe's contract. He has a base salary of only $1.25 million on the final year next year once the bonus is paid by the club. Even though it's a $6.25 million cap hit, that's a very tradable commodity in my estimation for a team that's at the bottom of the cap scale and looking to at least least make the floor of the salary cap. And you get a guy, a veteran guy who's been so meaningful to this team in the dressing room, you get him for $1.25 million. I think the Leafs will be shopping that around at the end of the season. That'll definitely be one to watch. Uh, It's an intriguing prospect. You know, they've got a ton of young guys. Um, You know, Marlowe was brought in really to be, as you said, that veteran presence in the locker room. And while I don't want to undervalue what he brings, uh, adding John Tavares, I'm not sure they need Marlowe anymore to fill that role. Yes, Tavares is not nearly as as old as Marlowe, but he's been in this league for plenty of time to be, you know, a, a grizzled vet by this point. So uh, kind of interesting to see what they do. One player I do really like, despite a recent three-game uh, slump, is Andreas Johnson. Uh, still slotting in on that second line, it looks like. If that changes, uh, I think that drastically drops his his fantasy value. Um, but I love him alongside Matthews and Kapanen, and hopefully, uh, you know, he'll continue in that role. In Vancouver, look, this team's been a fun team to watch, partner. We've talked about the exciting young prospects a fair bit. I want to turn to an older player, though, right now. Louis Erickson needs a shot at top six minutes to show his value to his team, and he's done well in the past in that role. Now he's got the right-wing role in the top line, scoring points in three of his last six games. That's a start, and it might be worth watching because it's a veteran who might be excited about the possibility of scoring with some of the youngsters here. Antoine Roussel is a third party to that line and he has five points in his last six games played on a line centered by Bo Horvat so I like that unit we already talked about Elias Patterson there has been a, a star uh, rookie uh, highlighting that second unit so things offensively looking okay and then that's Jakob Markstrom has won five straight allowing only nine goals against so things are in order for a club that went 3-0-1 last week Absolutely. And the one uh, other kind of intriguing addition that we highlighted in the past, Josh Levo, uh, has clearly panned out. And really, you know, the the rub on him with Toronto is that he just wasn't getting enough opportunities. Well, he's got four points in his first seven games with Vancouver uh, and needs, uh, you know, just a few more to, to top any production he ever did uh, in Toronto in terms of in, in a single season there. So a uh, career year in the in the offing for him and really thriving now that he can actually get uh, some minutes. In Vegas, we're talking about a team that went 2-0-1 last, last week and they were shut out last night in a one nothing squeaker. A strong team got stronger with the return of Paul Stastny, who notched two points over the two games he played last week inserted immediately into the second line center role between Max Pacioretty and Alex Took. That's going to be a formidable unit when they get rolling. Jonathan Marchessault struggled a little bit offensively early on, but that may have been impacted by all the roster injury issues. With the recent stability, 
It's worth noting that he's back on a point-per-game pace in his last six starts. Similarly, Willie Carlson has four goals in his last four games played. On the downside, I look at the defense and I see Jay, Shea Theodore, who's been in a ni- who had been on a nice offensive run. He's been blanked with a greatly reduced shot, shots on goal rate with only two in his last four games before last night. So that's a bit of a concern. When you start to see somebody not getting the shots on goal, you wonder if, if that dr- drought may continue for a little bit. Well, my biggest concern right now, if if I'm a Golden Knights fan, is uh, Max Pacioretty and that injured uh, looked like maybe a knee. Uh, Last night, the team didn't provide any updates on his status after the game, but uh, losing Pacioretty for any significant chunk of time is definitely going to hurt what was, you know, turning into a, a strong second line. Now, I think They'll have, uh, I would put Thomas Nosek there, and I think he can slot in well. Um, but at the end of the day, Thomas Nosek is no Max Pacioretty, uh, and I think it'll definitely hurt uh, their, what they can do on offense. Fortunately, uh, they've had pretty much shut down net minding of late, and the defense has been performing their job admirably of trying to limit uh, the shots seen by Marc Andre Fleury. You know, you look at his last five games. Uh, was sub 30 in in three of those outings uh, and only crept up over 40 in one of them. So really uh, a good performance by the defense and and the forwards as well in limiting the shots uh, from Marc-Andre. And we get to your public enemy number one team, the Washington <laughs> Capitals. They were 3-0 last week. They won to extend uh, their winning streak to a current five games. Tom Wilson returned to his first line role, and that's a far different situation from last year when he was moved around a lot. He's uh, stuck into that number one line role, and it's on merit because now he's developed into quite the scorer. He's settled in and continued to be really involved in the offense with a consistent shots on goal rate verging around, averaging around three per game. So that's a, a surprising development for him over the last year and a half that continues this season. And he's locked in. Another guy who's locked in on that second unit is Jakob Vrana on the second line left wing. Four goals and one helper in his last six games start, starts on the blue line. I want to highlight Michael Kempney, AJ. He's grown into an effective <laughs> partner for John Carlson on the ter- top pairing. We're talking about a guy who was uh, plucked from the Hawks as a, as a depth defenseman. But he's moved right into the top pairing here and revealed a never-before-seen offensive upside with eight points in his last 13 games played. Well, I want to talk quickly about Andre Burakovsky, and and this is kind of a confusing situation to me. When he is in the lineup, they've been putting him in in a top uh, top line role, especially when Tom Wilson was was out. Um, he slotted in there, but as soon as Wilson was back, he got moved all the way to a healthy scratch. So it's kind of a, a weird situation to me. And I'm not sure if he's meant to be on this team long term. He's been scratched in the last three games, uh, you know, and I just don't know if there's something that they see that they just don't think is a good fit. His uh, his cap situation could be intriguing to a number of teams. He's only 23 years old, making three million this year and then going to be an RFA uh, next season. So another guy to really kind of watch as we get uh, toward the trade deadline. And we wind up our look around the league as usual with the Winnipeg Jets. They rolled over everybody last week, AJ, with the four straight wins. Big news for them is Big Buff is back on the blue line. Dustin Bufflin returned. That means that each deep pair uh, on this team, team has a real offensive threat. Uh, and there's also an interesting look on the fourth line, a trio of youngsters. There's lots to like here, AJ, top to bottom. The offense is firing on all cylinders. The only minor concern might be Hellebuck in the Nets with a pair of stinkers last week where he allowed four goals against in each game. But there's not much of a concern anywhere else here on this roster from these eyes. 
Absolutely not. And, you know, they had a, a handful of injuries on the blue line. Those guys are all healthy. They've avoided losing any significant contributors uh, in, in terms of forwards. Andrew Kopp is the only one on IR, and I'm not sure he has a spot in the lineup even once he gets healthy uh, with the emergence of guys like uh, Brendan Lemieux, Mason Appleton. Uh, so he may struggle to work his way back into the lineup. This, uh, you know, I talked previously uh, about Buffalo having one of the best first lines in the league. Uh, I think this is another team that is right up there with Shifley, Wheeler, and Ehlers. Uh, I think are arguably uh, one of the best in the league. And honestly, this second line of Connor, Little, and Line, I think on a lot of teams, uh, you know, I think Arizona, uh, you know, some of those teams that are a little uh, further behind the eight ball. That second line might be a first line on a lot of other teams. No doubt about that. And we turn our attention to our FanDuel plays of the day. Uh, We'll talk about our FanDuel experiences here, AJ. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. You and I are on that list. And I promised people that I'd pick a winner last week, and it came through. I hope you played it, AJ, because I I cashed in in a nice way. Uh, To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. These contests are, of course, void where prohibited. We're dealing with a pretty big slate of games tonight, AJ. Which ones catch your eye? Uh, well, so for me, uh, obviously, I think the the matchup to watch, if I can stay up late enough, is Winnipeg against Los Angeles, uh, the late game, uh, 10.30 start there. Uh, so that's kind of the most intriguing matchup to me. Tampa Bay, Vancouver offers some, some interesting guys to watch. Uh, and then obviously, I think your Leafs playing uh, the Devils. I know you'll be tuned into that one. I might catch part of that as well. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see the, Car- the Carter Hart debut in Philadelphia. That's going to be an interesting matchup too against the Detroit club. I wouldn't sleep on that offense. They've got some good parts pieces that are playing very well right now. So, uh, and then San Jose and Minnesota, that's two teams in the top half of the Western conference that go head to head. So worth, worth a look there. I'm curious to see Nashville on the second of back to backs. They, started poorly last night as i implied i look for them to bounce back in a big way normally i shy away from teams in the second of back-to-backs but this one looks like a tasty one for nashville some good value plays that i looked at in my roster for tonight's picks and let's get to those picks on the optimizer aj what does the rotowire optimizer spit out this evening for you yeah, kind of some uh, intriguing options tonight coming out of the lineup optimizer. Uh, starts with Ryan O'Reilly at center, 6,100. Matthew Barzal, the other center at 58. Uh, definitely two kind of discounted options based on the price tags tonight. Where the optimizer is spending up is actually Patrick Kane at 8,200 and then Taylor Hall uh, at 7,800. Both those guys uh, will cost you a bunch but have – Uh, consistently produced that obviously is assuming that hall does in fact play tonight but it seems like that's a pretty safe bet right now Uh, other options on wings from the optimizer are brandon Saad for chicago at 4900 and andre case uh, for anaheim at 4600 you know i talked about the ranger upside of that matchup earlier i do think uh, there are some intriguing uh anaheim ducks to to maybe utilize in case might be one of them defensively uh, the optimizer sticking with Chicago tonight, going Brent Seabrook at 4,300. And then uh, a guy you talked about, Colton Pareko, uh, against Edmonton at 4,200. Uh, 
that's that's another great uh, great guy to plug in for a pretty discounted price, to be totally honest. And then in the Nets, the optimizer likes Andre Vasilevsky tonight at 8,600. That is the most lopsided of the money lines tonight. Tampa Bay is minus 185. Uh, with a six and a half uh, over under in that one. So uh, obviously they're expecting most of those ga- goals to come from Tampa. And that's uh, that's why they're going with Vassal in the pipes. Well, that's a, that's long odds against the Vancouver offense that I highlighted there. So I might take the uh, the underside of that situation and go with Vancouver to defend that uh, that line. In terms of my lineup here, I went with a lot of hot sticks uh, and one cold one that I expect to take off. At the top end of the roster, I liked Ryan Nugent Hopkins against uh, St. Louis, a team that's been struggling mightily of late. Price tag on Nugent Hopkins, $5,500, despite the fact that he's been red hot for the last little while. So I love that choice. Austin Matthews of Maple Leafs at $8,300. That's where I spent up. And I also paired him with winger uh, Mitchell Marner on that second line with Tavares. They won't play together except on the power play. I expect that unit to have some fun this evening. So $16,000 on the Maple Leafs tonight. Uh, top tandem there. Uh, Yanni Gord, a guy who's played top line minutes for Tampa, yet his price tag's only $5,200. I gotta say yes, please. Nikolai Ehlers for Winnipeg, $5,900 for a top six winger there. The way the Jets are playing, yes again against Los Angeles. Tyler Johnson against Vancouver, well, the money line, if it's correct, Johnson will be a big part of that, and it I get him cheaply at $5,800 for another top-line value play. So some cheap top-line talent on good teams makes me uh, pretty happy there. And I'm able to round out the squad with defenseman Darnell Nurse, who now has the is the focal point of the offense from the back end only four thousand dollars there jacob truba a guy who's picked up his game uh, in the last month or so with winnipeg could feast offensively with the rest of the jets against a suspect la squad forty six hundred dollars there i'm picking uc saros uh, not often you get a backup guy in the nets here in D- my dfs picks but i like the way he finished up in nashville's game last night he'll get the start tonight against chicago and i said it before if you're looking for a dfs value play in the nets you look at who the hawks are playing right now <laughs> yeah that's definitely uh, a, a way to go and, and has had success uh you know for for a lot of teams uh a lot of similar picks if i'm being perfectly honest uh on, on my lineup here as well uh i'm gonna stack the whole uh second line for toronto tonight starting with matthews who you talked about 8300 and then i'm gonna go with casperi kapanen and andreas johnson kapanen coming in at, at 44 johnson at 36 those are pretty cheap uh price tags for guys who are playing alongside a talent like matthews now if those lines change at at today's uh, game day skate my lineup's going to change as well and i will tweet that out but as long as those two are playing with matthews i like them tonight great value there I'm going to spend up on that Winnipeg game with both Shifley and Wheeler, uh, 8,600 for Shifley, 7,600 for Wheeler. And then my kind of other uh, winger here for value is Pavel Buchnevich, 4,700. His price tag, I think, is undervalued for a guy that has points in each of his two games back. They're playing Anaheim tonight, who right now is projected to go with Chad Johnson as the netminder uh, coming off that back-to-back. So I think there's ample opportunity to utilize the Rangers tonight, and that's part of the reason that I think Georgia might be a solid play, even though uh, I'm not going to put him in my lineup tonight. 
I like Jacob Trubacall, 4,600. That's awesome. I'll also go with Jared Spurgeon for Minnesota at 4,600. I think he takes on a slightly bigger role with Dumba out, and I think a great opportunity to utilize him. And you talked about L.A. being down and why you were using some Winnipeg guys. And so for me, Connor Hellybuck in the pipes at 8,600, I think, is the, the go-to play here. All right, and we turn our attention. The stud and the rant of the week feature the same hockey club, AJ, but for far <laughs> different reasons. We're going to get into this, and I know you'll have a strong opinion being a guy, a native of this region, too. Uh, you follow this team closely as well. Jack Eichel, for me, the stud of the week. Five goals, four assists in four games played. That's just the tip of the iceberg, though. This guy puts on a show every game he plays. He's compelling viewing. He's got it all that you want in a first-line center. And uh, I, I think the if the we go to the international stage, the, the U.S. fans, such as yourself, have to salivate at the prospect of, of Matthews and Eichel anchoring your top two scoring lines there. But Jack Eichel, for me, has been everything the Sabres wanted and more in terms of what you want in terms of leadership from a young guy and uh, confidence, playing with a ton of it. And the man, he, he's a DFS uh, demon in DFS play, and he's one of the higher-priced guys every time the Sabres do play. Uh, fine value, uh, f- valuable addition to the Buffalo squad, and a guy that they're going to build this squad around for the next 10 years at least. Uh, it, it's a bright future in Buffalo, and this is the centerpiece of it, and he's performing very well right now. Absolutely, and, and really, I, I think, poised to have... Uh, a career year this season and that's saying a lot for a guy that's hit uh, the 50 mark in each of his three seasons hit 60 last year Uh, I definitely think he will challenge uh, for 80 or 90 this season you look at uh, his multi-point efforts this year has 17 games in which he scored uh, two or more points including that recent four-point performance against Boston Uh, I think it really uh, is good news for Buffalo that they're they're getting so much production out of him uh, and that they're going to finally be able to maybe turn uh, this around. I mean, this is a team that probably, I would say, hasn't been good since they had Dominic Hasek between the pipes and Pat LaFontaine and Alexander McGillney, uh, you know, stabilizing that first line. I echo those sentiments. And, you know, as a Toronto fan, I like to see the rivals doing okay, and it makes the games a little more tasty when you anticipate the Buffalo-Toronto matchups over the next little while. I know I have friends on both sides of that equation that look forward to those tilts every time out, and those trips to Buffalo are a lot of fun with the Leafs contingent in the fan base following them and uh, makes for a pretty rowdy atmosphere. So Eichel's the centerpiece for that one for sure. In the rant of the week, i got to bring up the name of Patrick Berglund. We haven't talked about this guy at all all season long, AJ. Two goals, two assists in 23 games. He was a significant piece in the deal that they cooked up in the offseason that brought O'Reilly to the mix in St. Louis as well but really hasn't delivered on the ice. And now he's holding out on this team. He doesn't even want to play right now, it seems. They, they cited uh, a illness for, to account for his absence for, absence for a couple of games, but now it's come out that he is just uh, on the wrong side of, uh, of, uh, in the coach's doghouse, and they, they are, th- are threatening to suspend him at the moment here. So it's not a personal issue that that uh, might be a sensitive issue at all it doesn't seem and uh, this guy carries a cap hit of four million dollars for the next three seasons i don't get the holdout aj uh he's playing on a top team and he walks out on the squad that doesn't fly with me uh you're playing in a a sport for for your livelihood you're getting handsomely rewarded you're playing on a team that's one of the top teams in the league one of the surprise teams in the league why don't you suit up and be a part of it pal that's my message to patrick berglund 
Yeah, it it, it kind of boggles the mind uh, why, you know, other than ice time, that really has to be the, the primary concern here. I mean, he wasn't going to see much more than, than a, a fourth-line role here. Uh, you look at his minutes right now, it's not like they're drastically lower. I mean, I guess they're about three minutes lower per game uh, than when he was with St. Louis. So maybe he's got a gripe in his mind. But to your point, I, I think you need to just – you know, own up. Yes. Your ice time's not there. Yes. It's less than, you know, what you're hoping for, but to your point, you're still on a top team. You could be competing, uh, for, for the Stanley cup at some point during the season. And look, you're one injury away, uh, from being a a bigger part of this team and earning your way back into, to a better role. So uh, I agree. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I expect what we'll see at some point is, uh, unconditional waivers perhaps. Uh, and I, would hesitate to see a team pick him up, but maybe, uh, and he could be bound for, for Europe at this point. Well, you wonder about that because the guy has done nothing to endear himself to the St. Louis management uh, at the moment. And, and really the only way you can improve your lot is to play and play well. And, and that's the challenge that you got to do when you got to face up and, and say, when you look at the man in the mirror, it's you that the onus is on to change that situation. If he wants more ice time, he's got to earn it. And right now he hasn't been, and he's really deep into the doghouse. AJ, that wraps up this episode of PuckCast for you and me, and it affords us the opportunity to wish our listeners very happy holidays, Merry Christmas, season's greetings to all of, uh, all of you out there. We will come back to you at, uh, at a time and date, which we will announce on Twitter. So please remember to follow us. You can follow me. Paul Bruno Statsman, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. And uh, as always, we invite you to listen into PuffCast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.